The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We're coming to you live from Salem, New Hampshire, and today we are going to talk about the topic of Does My Dog Need Training? But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. Good pig handling, honey. So um, we are approaching our 200th episode pretty quickly here. I've been doing a countdown, but I think like we're within 15 episodes or so. So the newest um, push for that, if you guys want to follow every week and you're not quite ready, you don't know how to find us and where to look and everything else, is the QuirkyDog.com website has been up for a bit, but um, our web designer there put a subscribe button right on the homepage. So if you are not already subscribed to the QuirkyDog.com website, you'll get just a brief email from me every week. I don't email beyond that, but you actually get the episode sent right to your inbox. So that's my quirky tip for today as we approach episode number 200. Can you believe almost 200 episodes? I know. I've been doing this a long time with you. And we still talk to each other. (laughs) Here and at home. All right. So you want to do this topic. Where did you come up with this? What's your thought process? Where are we going? Well, it always goes back with me to... I'm out every week seeing new people in their homes with dogs, and either it's a new rescue that came in the house, or it's a dog they've had with problem behavior for quite a while. And um, I just thought, you know, what what dogs need training? You know, I mean, in my mind, of course, I'm biased. I'm a dog trainer. I think all dogs need training. But formal training is different than training. Formal training or professional training is where you pay someone to come to your house and help you either with problems or teach you how to actually teach your dog behaviors in the most expedient way instead of troubleshooting yourself and trying a lot of different things. And um, so when I started thinking about this and you said, make a list of, what was the list you said? What you would consider a trained dog. What I consider a trained dog. And then, so when you asked me that, I started thinking about, and I came up with for, not to you know go on and on here, but I came up with four levels of training that I think uh, people need to have at least one of these levels. And the first level of training, which doesn't require a professional to come to your home and all that, is just basic house manners. That's the first level of training that every dog should have. If you need help with that, you hire someone to help you with that. Mm-hmm. But And then within that category of house manners... It's the counter surfing, the jumping on the people that come to see you, housebreaking, uh, ask, telling them to get off the furniture. If you allow them to be on the furniture, you should be able to tell them, hey, get off the furniture. I'm going to sit here now. And uh, if there's nuisance barking, that kind of stuff is just basic, basic stuff. And I would include within that uh, house manners, the animal husbandry of being able to clip their nails, being able to do some basic stuff. So that's training, but at a very bare minimum that the dog is going to be a welcome family member within your home. That's the your first other, level. What are your other three levels? And then the next level would be leash training. And that would be putting your dog on a leash, taking him out, going for a walk around the block, not having him drag you, not having reactivity to animals, cars, motorcycles, all that kind of stuff. Accepting leash direction from you. You want to go the other way. They come with you. You want to go this way. They come with you. They don't put the brakes on, lay down, and say, 
no, we're not doing that. And you're standing there like, what the hell do I do? Uh, sit down, stay, basic, heal when needed, meaning you can get some control and walk that dog in a more controlled way past some other dogs that may be completely out of control. And then I also included in the leash training, muzzle training. So these are just some basics. If you're going to have your dog on a leash, which everybody is at some point, this is the next step beyond house manners. If you live on a farm and you have your dog and you're out in the country, you may never have leash training on your dog. Your dog goes outside with you. Dog follows you around the property. You ride around on a tractor. You do this and that. Dog's never on a leash. Never a problem. But for most of us, that's not reality. The dog has to behave decently on a leash. You're taking your dog to the vet. You're taking your dog to daycare. You're taking your dog all over the place. And you want the dog to be with you. The dog can't be a complete out-of-control idiot, you know? So the muzzle training is good because um, not that you need it, but in the case that you do need it, it's nice to have a dog that's acclimated to a muzzle. So something comes up, the dog is fearful showing some aggression or God forbid gets hurt and you just have to, you know, now you have to treat a broken limb. So it's nice to be able to slip a muzzle on the dog for everybody's safety. So you can actually get the dog, the medical attention they need. Well, and it is an enhancement of leash training. Cause even if your dog can walk brilliantly on a loose leash, if your dog isn't conditioned to a muzzle, if you throw a muzzle on your dog, you may see some, you know, hissy pissy bitch fits, you know, popping up. So it is a good distraction to work your dog through within the loose leash walking as well. And I would say leash training is one where you're going to need some outside help because there's mechanics involved in leash training that are totally out of the realm of what we do. And this kind of has maybe got me thinking along this lines of training in the first place. I use the analogy with a client that just said, I can't do it. You know, we're working on healing. And I said, hold the leash this way, do this, do that. And they got frustrated and just said, I can't do it. You know, and, um, well, you got to build up a little bit of frustration, frustration tolerance. tolerance. I mean, because yeah. <laughs> I, I use the analogy, it's like this, the mechanics of leash training. It's like when you're taking your driver's license classes, your test, your driving test, or not the test, but the, the school, the driving school, you put the hands on 10 and two. This is how you drive the car. I never see anybody driving a car this way, but that's the mechanics that we learn. That's the foundation, 10 and two. You're driving your car, you're looking, you're checking your rear view, you're doing this stuff. So you got to go through that awkward time of learning how to drive the car. You're hyper aware, you're friggin' paranoid, almost you're nervous. Most people are pretty stressed about driving a vehicle. You know, you got to pull out into traffic, you're on the highway, people are whipping by you, honking their horn, flipping you off. You know, there's all kinds of crazy stress that can go along with it. But usually within just a few short weeks, you got the window down, your arms hanging out, you might have one finger on the steering wheel. If you're Scott. And you're just relaxed and everything is fine. But you know that if need be, you can go back to 10 and 2. Things are getting a little crazy. I can get back to my foundation of how to do this the right way. And that's what I tell people with the um, leash handling. Because in the beginning, I'm telling them, have a J in the leash. Hold this hand here. Hold this hand here. Take up a foot of the leash with this hand. I'm giving them all kinds of stuff. And then quite often... Now I'm also giving them contradictory information. Let go of the leash with the left hand. Give the dog more freedom. So I'm, it, it gets people a little bit frustrated. Like, I'm supposed to hold it. Yes, but you don't want pulling either. So you need to learn the foundational basics. Then you can start taking your hands off the wheel. Start letting the dog be a dog. 
and you start, you know, yeah. but you got to get comfortable with these foundational basics. So yeah, you have to build up a little frustration tolerance. Yeah, just be got to work. Just, you got to work through it, just, just like anything you it, fight because for. Because the reality is, leash, you know, working with a dog, it's not that difficult, but it's totally out of the wheelhouse of most all of us. It's yeah. just not natural stuff that we do. And people didn't get dogs to work with them. They got dogs to enjoy them. But sometimes we can enjoy them more through the work. All right. What are your last two tiers? You're very okay. organized here. So then uh, the, the next one after leash training is the off-leash training in my mind, which means the biggest difference between leash training and off-leash is having a come when called. And then I put, you know, that's the, the big one. And then the handler should be able to perform all on-leash exercises without a leash on the dog. That's off-leash training. You should be able to heal your dog. Tell your dog, sit down without having to, it, you won't have a leash to help in any way. So yes, you can use your physical gestures and hand signals, but you want to get that dog to work off leash, which is something that most people want that. They go from nothing to, I'd like my dog to do all this stuff and I don't really want to use <laughs> yeah. my leash. Yeah. And after you've um, got that mastered, or and you won't have anything mastered. That's the other thing. Everything is a work in progress. The more you work with your dog, the better the dog gets, the better you guys get as a team. The less you work with the dog, the more things slip and just starts going backwards again. You know, it's kind of like the analogy of a business. A business doesn't just grow on its own, grow or even stay static on its own. It's either growing or it's falling back. You know, you got to stay on it, keep nurturing it, keep it going. And then the last thing I put was competition training. And that includes all of the above, plus pick the venue. Pick the sport you want to be involved in because if you're you're doing agility, your dog's off leash. You don't necessarily have to have the best off leash control for agility, but you got to have off leash control for sure. And then when you get into competitive obedience, that's off leash training with a bunch of people looking at you, you know, to really <laughs> evaluate every yeah. single thing you're doing, yeah. which is challenging and fun, and it can be a lot of fun with your dog. So those are the four. Those are four Levels. intense tears. Scotty really did his work here. So I approach this from more of a pet doggy colloquial kind of standpoint, and I'll share my list after the break. It's much shorter and has other things that's just simpler for a change. Scott was uber organized, and I seemed like the chill student here. But I, I was do up all say, night. I couldn't sleep last night. I do want to say though that <laughs> you know when you think of the question, does my dog need training? If you're asking, you know, your family members or your friends, or your vet or something else. Training is not going to harm anything. As long as you are finding this cohesive relationship with the trainer that you enjoy, it is going to enhance your dog's life, whether it just be from a mental stimulation aspect, from a confidence aspect, from anything else. Training is always going to like lend you towards a greater future with your dog. So when you're asking yourself this question, if you're asking it at all, the answer is just yes, hands down. No questions asked. All right, let's go to break super quick. I was going to say one real quick. Okay. A lot. One question I used to hear, I don't hear it as much anymore, but I don't want to crush my dog's spirit. I don't want to inhibit my dog. I want my dog to still be free, to still be a dog and all this stuff. And I think that uh, the obedience um, training, the more you control you put on the dog, on the dog, the more they open up, the more yeah. f- they feel more confident. Yeah, and you're right. We and haven't heard great. that in years. Most yeah, people that call us, they're, they're all about the squashing. Go, please, let's get this, please crush my let's dog's get spirit. this handled. All right, we're going to go to a break super quick. And when we get back, I will we'll relay my list. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com 
so Chrissy's all bummed that we ran the wrong commercial, but it's actually very apropos because tomorrow we are doing a presentation for the Andover Police Department for how to calm your canine. So I was going to mention that at the end of the show, but if you're listening and you want to go, there's a Facebook event and Scott and I will be presenting tomorrow night in Andover with that exact topic. So good mess up, Chrissy. (laughs) All right. So when I'm thinking about this, some people out there are going to be like, my dog doesn't need training. My dog's trained. Everything's great. And there was this crazy Facebook thread years ago that somebody said, you know, what is a trained dog? And Basically, it was like a dog that never had to have tools on. And it just it went viral all over the Internet, like multiple times. Very controversial. Yeah, it was just it was crazy. Like everybody jumped in on this thing. But then it starts getting in a thing like, well, what is a trained dog? What does that look like? So Scott has all these tiers and it was a very good list and very comprehensive. And I'm so glad that he shared. When I look at the things, I'm looking at it from more of a practical perspective right now. So does your dog need training? Well, that really depends on your lifestyle. And even when he brought up this farm dog that, you know, maybe just following you around on a tractor and being this working animal, when the dog does have, you know, a toe infection or something else, if the vet can't come to the house, there are going to be times in the dog's life where it may need to be on a leash. And then if it falls apart and it can't handle that, that's important to me. So my list is way less intense than Scott's, but basically, can you travel with your dog comfortably? I don't care if your dog's crated or loose in the car, but are they barking out the window? Are they settling? Can they go on a road trip? Are they okay to travel? Can you bring your dog to the vet? Whether it's your vet or you happen to be you know, somewhere else, you have to go to a visiting vet. Can you bring your dog, walk your dog in? If you need to hold your dog and handle your dog, fine. Can you give the dog to the techs if you want? I give my dogs to the techs and my vets at my vet's office all the time. I have no issue with, yeah, go do, take care of blood, do whatever you want. So is your dog able to do that? Can you easily go to the vet? Whether you're a present or not, can they go to not just a certain vet in a certain room in a certain situation, can they be at the vet and be dealt with comfortably? Can you handle or groom your dog? This is kind of important to me, but also can the dog just go to the groomer? And again, not this very specific groomer that's, you know, four states away and, you know, I have to schedule months in advance and this is the only person that can do my dog. Can your dog just walk into a grooming salon and get its hair done, its, you know, nails clipped and everything else and accept that? If you can handle your dog, that to me is a big bonus. That's awesome. But some people don't want to do the nails. I mean, Scott's the first one. To, I don't think you've cut a nail since I've known you for 12 years. Not since you started cutting yeah. them. <laughs> well, and but beyond that, he would want to cut them like once every six to eight months. Visitors, can you have people over to your house? A lot of people do great living with a dog, but then when people come over, it's chaos. Even if the dog jumps once or twice, fine. Can you tell it to shut up, go lay in a bedroom, and it quiets down? Can your dog accept a crate? That does not mean that your dog is pottying the house all the time and must be crated when you leave and everything else. But if you choose to crate your dog for an hour a week or one night a week, does your dog lose its shit? To me, it shows overall wellness of a dog that can just accept being crated when and if needed. And especially, I mean, you see these natural disasters that pop up, like these hurricanes and stuff. Like sometimes dogs are going to be in a situation where they may need to be crated just for safety's sake. Maybe they got a surgery at a vet. They need to be in a crate. As they're coming out of those anesthetic drugs, it might be stressful for them if that's something they don't accept and they're not accustomed to. Can your dog be quiet in the yard? This is important. If you are not walking your dog out on a leash, if you don't have a city type of setup, if you have a yard, are you dis- is your dog disrupting the neighbors? Is this an issue that, you know, it's barking constantly at squirrels, barking at people passing by, everything else? Is your dog good in public? I really could give a shit about your leash training or your leash mechanics or anything else. And Scott and I joke all the time, like we'll drive past a coffee shop every now and then. And there's like a dog tied out on a lamppost, you know, with a front attached harness on just laying there. Totally not an issue. Other kids can come up and pet the dog and everything else. And 
we just don't even like process that dogs like that still exist anymore because people call us with problem dogs and issues that they need help with. And the dogs normally have huge reactivity and separation anxiety and everything else. So there are some dogs out there that easily can walk on a front attach. Maybe they're not walking with a super loose leash. Are they a nuisance in public when they go out? Are they not disrupting other bikers, other runners, other dogs, anything else? And then the last thing I would say is, does the dog come when called? I honestly don't even care if you have your dog off leash at these off leash parks and you know, you are going to the beach and your dog's off leash and everything else. But if your dog runs out the freaking front door, if you call them, are they going to turn and are they going to come back? So to me, it's a very simple list. And if you have all of these things and you've had all of these things from when the dog is five to when the dog is 12 and the dog has just been an easy keeper to me, no, you don't need to hire a trainer. But if there's an issue with anything that's popped up on this list, Again, like I was saying before, it's going to enhance your dog's life if you're continuing to provide them with this mental stimulation, with this physical, you know, molding and this training and everything. And your dog's just going to have more freedom is the bottom line. The more control you have on the dog, the more freedom your dog has. And that's how I kind of viewed the whole topic. Yeah. No, you made some good points there. And I don't think, you know, not everyone needs training. That's for sure. I think every dog would benefit from yeah. training. I think every dog and owner team, I like to you know, really get to learn to work as a team, uh, involves some training, some communication between species there, which is important. Yeah, and I, I think, go ahead. I was going to say, with regard to the list I made and these basic house manners, which is really why I get called, we get called yeah. most of the time. If you're having three or more complaints about your dog, you, got, you need some training. Yes. If you got one issue... The dog's on the couch. I got to get him off the couch. You'll more often than not, your kid can handle that. Yeah. Your kid's going to say, get off the couch and pull the dog off the couch. It's not an issue. Yeah. But if you have the dog won't get off the couch, the dog's eating all the cat food. This is going on. That's going on. Yeah. And it's it's upsetting the quality of your life and the people that live with that dog, whether it's other animals, it could be cats, it could be kids and, or people visiting your house. But if the dog is creating friction, you got to get some training. Yeah. And a lot of times people do like to overlook this from their own perspective. Like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. They're making excuses and everything else. But if there's a complaint from the family, like Scott said, if there's a complaint from within the animal household that, you know, other animals aren't feeling safe, whether you have a pet rat or a cat or anything else, a bird. Um, yeah. Animal control. That's like worst case scenario. If your neighbors are so freaking fed up with you that they're calling animal control. And even sometimes people, you know, they'll get a visit from the animal control officer and they're like, oh, it's not that bad. You know, he's he's under control. He's not a problem. Constantly making excuses for the dog. And honestly, this is a reflection of the owner. And I'm not trying to be nasty when I say that, but like not working through some adversity with the dog, not putting the dog through certain paces to grow the dog stronger, you know, emotionally, spiritually, almost, if you will, and everything by training the dog and teaching the dog that there are some boundaries and there are some rules and you can't do this because it just isn't conducive to our lifestyle is for the betterment of the animal. And I just don't know how else to say that to you. And we've had some dogs that are older, like eight years old, 10 years old, that we don't take an old, old dog for boot camp. I would say our cutoff is probably eight for that, unless it's like a smaller dog and it's 10 years old. But like people are finally just fed up with it and they haven't done a ton of stuff. And it doesn't mean that the quality of their life cannot change moving forward. But the earlier you you get in on the training and the structure and the control and kind of molding the dog into who you want it to be as it, you know, advances in your life and over the years and everything else, the better. Obviously, the sooner you get on this, the better. But every dog, you guys, is going to benefit from the right mesh of trainer and owner. And this is kind of a tricky thing out there right now because the industry is growing a lot. 
There's a lot of divisiveness in the industry. We talk about that all the time. The most important thing to me is whatever trainer you're working with, you feel good about in your gut. Yes, ideally you're getting good results. Ideally things are working well, but there should not be friction. You should not be stressing about like, oh, my dog training class is tomorrow. Like I haven't done this. I have to get things going. I've been recently taking some lessons for with Vital. I've been doing some IGP obedience. I love going to training. It's my joy of my week. It's an hour a week. And it's not something that's creating more like consternation in me. Whoever you're working with, should be able to make you feel comfortable, make you feel like you're progressing, build you up a little bit, and ideally help your dog. This is very, very important. And if you have a great personal relationship with your trainer, but your dog is not getting any better, that's another kind of telltale sign that like, hey, maybe I should look for somewhere else because there's a lot of people out there now training. And I promise you, it is not all created equal in the field. Yeah. And I will say with relation to finding a trainer that you can work with, you know, I went from when I first started this, giving people a lot of homework and really being enthusiastic about the profession and we're going to get this dog trained. And it was probably too much for people, you know, and on the opposite end of that spectrum, the last class I did yesterday afternoon, the lady doesn't want to do anything, but she's got a really problematic dog. So we wind up sitting and having the conversation about what can you do? And it goes fine because I can find out what she is willing to do, what I can get her to do. And the dog is getting better. But she's not the typical, she's an older woman, so she doesn't have the energy. Um, that, no, she's, you know, in her late 70s, she's getting up there. And so she doesn't even have the energy to go out and do, a, you know, a lot of walking around with this dog and yeah. stuff. But she's making progress. And she's told me in the beginning, I'm not doing, I brought up four or five different things on the first meeting, how I would help her to fix this issue. And she said, oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. And instead of getting frustrated, I said, okay, well, you know, You've been to a lot of different trainers, and I'm evaluating. Is it just you? Like, do you really just want to complain about your dog and not do anything, or do you really want some help? And I found some things that, yeah, she said, I can do that. I said, good, okay, that's one thing. We're going to do this. And now, you know, we've been, I've been to her place three times, and things are getting a lot better. Yeah. And she's doing what she emotionally and ethically feels that she can do, and it also that works with her energy and her dog and whatnot but the dog is getting better and she's not doing a lot of the things that I would tell everybody else to do Yeah, because she's just not willing to do that. Yeah. But she is willing to make some changes. She doesn't want to deal with the, her dog was biting a lot. Her dog had a lot of aggression and no other dog trainers wouldn't even work with her. She went to one, they said, I can't work with you. So I was able to break through her, you know, crusty exterior in a sense. <laughs> and uh, she's a great, great woman. I really like her. Yeah. But we're able to start working together and yeah. getting this dog to be a little bit better. Well, that you know? is a beautiful point you bring up is, is the person who you have paid money to meeting you where you're at? And obviously, expectations have to align properly on the front end and everything else. And you need to make sure you're on the same page before there's even, you know, an exchange of money and, you know, a contract and everything else. But like, is the trainer actually supporting you? Like what your goals are? The, these things that like, oh, the dog must do this and must do an about turn and, you know, must have a 10 minute downstay. If you don't give a shit about that, we don't give a shit about that, right? Like we want you guys to be happy and whoever you're working with and paying your money to, that is very important. And I want to make a side note here about dog training. And does my dog need training for people that have these free unlimited classes after training? So Scott used to do this in California 
And there are some models that do this still. And I'm not putting anyone down at all. But if you are just thinking, oh, I'm going to my free follow-up training because it's free and this is what I'm supposed to do and you're not getting any better or your dog is regressing or something else, you may want to re-up actually spending some money on training and getting a fresh perspective and everything else. Because when you had this back in California, it kind of just turned into like donut and coffee hour, no? The dogs were great. Well, the dogs uh, the, were easy the dogs to deal did with. Fine because, yeah. Well, not because they were easy, but because they had done some privates, they knew what to do. The group class was a distraction for the dogs. The dogs got used to the group class. Yeah. So the dogs all came in, and, and then it started to turn into a social hour. Because yeah. the dogs were good, <laughs> yeah. but they'd come in with their latte and start <laughs> gabbing with the other people yeah. at the class. And not that there's any issue to that whatsoever, but again, it's how is my dog's behavior? How is my quality of life with the dog that I have in my care day in, day out? How is the quality? Is it slipping? And it can begin slipping even if you've done extensive training before. Some dogs need a constant thumb on them. Like this is just how the dog is. That you got to kind of have to ride their ass until they're dead. And well, those dogs, dogs are a blessing. All dogs will slip. Yeah. If you're not staying on top, if you're not maintaining a criteria for them to meet, then just like kids, just like just like uh, adults, there's, ma- there's middle management in these companies because if you let them all, people just come in when they want, they're going to start coming in later and later, taking lunch earlier and earlier. It's just human nature and it's the same with the dogs. And, you know, some people argue that and they try to have these new ways of managing people. But the bottom line is if we didn't need to be policed, we wouldn't have speed limits yeah. because we were taught if you go fast, you could get hurt. Well, nobody gives a shit. They got to get to work. So they drive fast and they get a ticket. Then like, yeah. okay. I yeah. got, you got, I got and I would say down. the difference between the employee setup or even the kids, because the kids grow up and they leave the house, is the dog is with you 24-7. So some dogs, when they slip, it doesn't really affect the quality of your life so much. It's not super great, but maybe they're now barking at squirrels. And then the worst thing is you have to go to the door to call them in. You know, like there's very minor slipping. Some dogs that like when they start to slip, it's tricky. Like you're not going to be able to bring them to the vet anymore. Like you're not going to be able to sleep through the night anymore. So it depends on the dog you have and everything else, but make sure you're getting the support you need. And it is so important for these dogs. You guys, like I cannot tell you enough, like even Sarge, when he was passing away, it's probably three or four summers ago now, like at the end of his road, I was feeding him raw and doing like tricks with him to keep his body moving and keep his brain engaged and everything else. And I was still like, enhancing the quality of his life. And it helps so, 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 so much. So the more that we're doing to keep the dogs active, to keep the dogs sharp mentally, to even re-up some training with just nose work. You could sign up for a nose work class and just have your dog do something fun, exciting, a tricks seminar, whatever you find that might be something novel, even if you're not that into it, it might be hugely exciting for your dog and really change the quality of their life, which is what we care most about. Sorry. Yeah. If you're busy and like most of us are, um, you may not really know your dog that well the dog is in your house and you feed him and then they go off to daycare and you go to work and you pick them up at daycare they're dead tired they come home they crash on the carpet and you're dealing with your kids and their homework you're not really you don't have the relationship with your dog that would let so that you would know if there was something wrong with the dog necessarily because you don't spend enough time with the dog so training is a way to spend some quality time with your dog even if it's 15 minutes a day because you'll know in that 15 minutes, if you do that four or five times a week, if all of a sudden he's acting really different than normal, then you'll say, oh shit, something's up. Yeah. His stomach's not right. He's, he's not, he, whatever it is. But you're really starting to learn about this animal as a, a, an individual, a being. Yeah. And what makes him tick, what doesn't, you know, what he likes, what he doesn't like and all that stuff. And that can only happen through spending some quality time. Now, if you're retired, you're home all the time. 
and your dog's home with you all the time, you're going to develop the same relationship. The dog, you're going to get to know the, how the dog acts. They sleep every day at 10 a.m. They take their nap in the sun. You know what they're like and what they don't like. But you'll also see things that you don't like because yeah. if the dog is just doing their own thing the yeah. whole time, uh, if you have somebody come over now to visit that you never have people over, all of a sudden it could be yeah, a problem. Chaos. You know? And yeah. I will mention that is a good point that you bring up. And this is something that happens these days. It is more common than not that dog goes to daycare five days a week. You know, it's just home most of the weekend when that you're at, you know, your kids games and everything else. Just putting some 15 minutes of training into each day or a few times a week with your dog is creating more presence for you and for your dog. And being present with your kids, being present with your dogs, being present with your spouse, being present with your coworkers. Like, this is where it's freaking at, people. If you are not aware of this now, it's 2023. Like, that's all we really have is those moments where we're connecting on that level and you're devoting all of your attention and all of your thoughts to what's going on in that moment. So the presence part, if nothing else, is super important. Did we flesh it out the way you wanted? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, getting to this relationship aspect of having your dog. When I was a kid, nobody did training with their dogs, but we all had dogs. But they all had this list also. Like yeah, yeah. All, this was not an issue. <laughs> well, it was no, a non-issue. They weren't the best at everything, but they, but they were not a big problem or <clears throat> no, they no, not got at all. hit by a car. Yeah, yeah like and, it wasn't. But one of the things that was interesting, like I have a friend who I'm still good friends with this the guy and he always had dogs and he was always on the water and every dog he had was like, I would call a water dog, meaning the dog could get in a rowboat dog get from a rowboat into another boat. The dog could go speeding all over the harbor and like go out and rescue people. Do all this crap. The dog's out on the bow. The, the dog didn't, no dog, very few dogs naturally do all that stuff. They're going to be a little nervous when you get on a boat, just like a person. The boat's wiggling. They're like, oh shit, what's up? But they acclimate really quick to all these new environments. From him just bringing his dog with him everywhere, the dog became really well-trained in yeah. the sense that I stick with my owner. We're getting on the boat now. Like the dog's confident, confident in almost everything. And when you have a dog that's confident, you don't have so much fear, which leads to reactivity, possible aggression, uh, anxiety, all these behavioral things that pop up that are typically fear-related, if nothing else. And uh, just by the exposure, taking your dog with you everywhere. And that's why with puppies, that's the best thing you can do is get that puppy off your property. Get them out and go. Get them out into a training class. Yeah. Yeah. Get them out in the world, you know? All right, you guys. uh, Again, if you are listening and you're here local in New England, we will be at Animal Andover Police Department tomorrow doing a seminar for the animal control officer there. Uh, How to Calm Your Canine. There's a Facebook event, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And monthly meditation will be up by Friday. We're doing Burn Doodle Edition this week. And in the meantime, keep it quirky. Take care, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.